Nightcaps of the Living Dead. The Walkin' Dead Zone. everyone thank you for coming back to us i am jennifer foster and with me is dr g guillermo r rodriguez and we are coming in hot this week after a week of the democratic national convention and the republican national convention g what was your favorite moment from the dnc Michelle Obama, of Yes, <laughs> yeah, she was so good. Because she's the best. God, that was such a good speech. And um, of course, Obama, like I, I loved seeing Barack. And um, Ladies Night, Ladies Night was like the best with Elizabeth Warren. And we had like Hillary there for a minute. And um, yeah, it was just powerful. Did you AOC. See yeah. For I me, mean, she was very short speech, but I love yeah. her too. And My then, fellow Puerto Rican. Yes. Badass. Badass. Squad. <laughs> um, Did you? Ernie. Everybody was good. Everybody. It was all. Biden was fantastic. So yes. He oh killed my it god. At the end. He was really good. So. I I really enjoyed the format of what they're doing for um at least for the DNC. I didn't see so much of the Republican. I know that I should keep an open mind and kind of spy on both, but <laughs> you just keep an open mind to see who's doing what. Some, some woman yelled and said Puerto Ricans were immigrants. I, no, <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. You left the room and you were in your <laughs> like, own house. I was like, like, I don't know what the hell is <laughs> going on happening? They live in their own planet and that's okay. Good for them. No. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed, I feel like um, after this, we shouldn't even have conventions in these big stadium spaces. I really enjoyed the close-ups and the cameras um, being right on the politicians and be, they're being so laser focused on what they need to say, what their speechwriters have given them maybe, but um, what they feel impassioned about rather than feeding off the crowd's energy. You yeah, know? and I think, I think because there is not this like, rally or crowd at the rate, which I'm sure happened also at the R- RNC, I found that I learned more yeah. about what's, what these people are really all about and what, what the message is, what the platform is. I feel like it was clearer in, than in previous years. Yeah. And I p- appreciated that. I felt like, okay, you're telling me exactly what, you, what you're what Yeah, your they were is. laser focused. They hit some bullet points. I'm like, yeah, I'm open to listening to this. Like, thank you. Instead of just, you know, seeing this zealous energy. I like it. Remember Howard Dean? I mean, that took down Howard Dean. He was just like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he was filling himself. And then they, it, it was all over. So I, yeah, I really appreciate this format. It was intimate. Um, a lot of different visual cues and you know that they're appealing to different groups of, especially for the DNC. I thought it was such an interesting approach of uh, Republicans for Biden. Cause I do want to express, I mean, Especially John Paul- Kasich, he was great. John Kasich in the middle of those crossroads. I was just like, is Lady I- Gaga gonna come out here and start singing "You and I"? <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, right? that would have been amazing. <laughs> no, you know what? Like in 2016, I did watch the Republican um, debates, and I have to say, I I thought that I could see myself voting for John Kasich 
mm-hmm. for president. He made some excellent points. I mean, so I, I, same I, thing. I like McCain. I always liked McCain. Right. But, I mean, I, of course, I would have always voted for Obama. Of course. I would have been okay with but McCain. But I do like seeing the other side be a little bit more uh, open or just like, hey, this guy is not so bad. Let's hear him out and what he has to say about our folks and our policies. And anyways, I, I thought it was really well done. I really liked the DNC's. Unity people, people together, not hatred and separation. Yeah, for sure. That yeah. only works in the real house. <laughs> Which guys, so we, we, we started yeah. off like right before this episode, drinking some tequila. Um. <laughs> in honor of Denise Richards. <laughs> We on have, the hot seat this season. We have like we we have to discuss before and after about Denise Richards on the Real Housewives and her Casa Amigos branding. Um, anyways, yeah, we have lots to say about that. But we are starting with politics because Guillermo, what movie are we revisiting this week? We are discussing the most psychic movie of all times, The Dead Zone. Based on the novel by Stephen King, who apparently predicted everything. It is a transcript one. of 2020. It is yep. the epitome of what this podcast is about. Uh, it's insane. Gee, I assume you read The Dead Zone back in the day. Did you not? I did. I did. I have okay. read The Dead Zone. Um, and I mean, it, it, it's. I want to say that I read it in the mid nineties because I kind of like discovered Stephen King with it. Mm-hmm. And then from there went kind of back and like read through everything. So mm-hmm. I've read it. I haven't read it in over 20 years. Um, and I had not seen this movie in probably just as long. Wow. So this so, was a true yeah, mind fuckery was, for you. So there was a lot of reactions happening here. Well, and, and also tangent, I mean, because I do want to tell our listeners, we are huge, huge, huge Stephen King fans. I mean, this will not be the the last mention of him on this podcast. I feel like we're going to visit a lot of his his works. I mean, we were hanging out in Bangor, Maine, around his house and his haunts and everything. We're huge, huge fans. Um, and I wanted to ask you, I think, don't you teach a course at UNC? Didn't or didn't you teach something about it at some point? I can't remember. Yes. So last semester I taught my horror and the global gothic course. Mm-hmm. Um, we read all of it throughout the semester as we were watching a series of movies related to the to the book, indirectly thematically. We didn't watch the adaptations. We just read the book and watched mm-hmm. all this other stuff. And mm-hmm. then we were also playing this video game mm-hmm. called Layers of Fear. Okay. And kind of discussing the idea of horror when you read it, when you watch it, and when you play with it. Oh. And what, how, what was different about the different ways? So one day of the week, people would, we would discuss a couple of chapters from it. The other day would be a movie. And then the other day would be playing the video game. And it was do, do you have any students that I mean that that took this course that had a visceral reaction to horror in general? Do you ever have like oh. youngins that are like, "Oh, this scares me," or if they were in the video game, they're like, "Oh, I'm interacting versus reading, and that's contained, and I can choose my reaction." Or anything. They, I mean, this—that's what the course was about. They huh. would react differently. So we did the gameplay in in the class, and so they would get scared and scream. It was the visceral reactions were happening in oh. the classroom and then we would talk about them we would kind of you know 
break it down at the end of the class and discuss our reactions because the game is actually really scary. It's, it's, Yet it's, none of these people, none of these students have seen a horror movie with you. <laughs> well, we we also watched the horror movies together. But you've seen these. You're not scared at the same no, I've moment. Seen these. Yeah, no, I know. But so, I would be like, ooh. No, listeners, you need to know. Seeing a horror movie with Guillermo Rodriguez is a experience. It's a fucking experience. It's amazing because he will scream, he will oh, yeah. jump, he will grab onto you and scare the shit out of you. I mean, <laughs> in fact, you and I were in a conjuring commercial. You know when they do those oh, commercials? Oh yes, we were. The are you, night our, count? our reactions, yeah. When they're like, yeah. you have to see the like, <gasps> movie, <laughs> and we're like at the end of the trailer. Look it up. It's one of those TV spots. The movie. I totally forgot about that. It's so yep. funny. We were good. We were so good. We made well, it. Well, that was all you that you you gasped and like scare our entire row that we we're just like, oh god, the demon is inside all of us. <laughs> so, anyways, we are discussing the dead zone. We love Stephen King, and yeah, I mean, Stephen King has a lot of um, repeating themes of ESP in his books. I don't know if you believe in this. Um, I don't know if our listeners believe in ESP and psychic powers. I do want to ask you right off the bat before we go into this movie, your brother, mm-hmm. I've assigned him the title of Mr. Smarty Pants at the Brain Lab. What is his real <laughs> title? <laughs> so he is assistant professor of psychiatry in the neuroscience center at UNC. Mm-hmm. And he has his own lab and he studies um, actually, very relevant to our podcast. He's, he well, he did all his PhD research in uh, fear learning. So okay. he studied how the brain learns how to fear something in order to figure out how to overcome that fear. Oh, like a natural response, how to protect yourself, or yes. or how to resonate with it. How does? So it's like how you learn to be afraid of something, and uh-huh. then through learning that, you also learn how to be able to overcome. Like you see a scary image and you're like, oh, this clown is on TV and he's going to murder these people and it scares me, but I know he's not going to jump out of the TV to get me or that he's not going to come get me in my real life kind of way or somewhat. It's more, I think, I mean, it's, it's literally like the flight or flight response. Like if something comes at you that's threatening, you either fight or you fly, you know, that whole theory. Mm -hmm. So that's part of it. But Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, he can explain this way better. It's how you learn, like spiders. If you're afraid of spiders, you learn somehow. You were conditioned to be afraid of it for right. some reason. Uh-huh. But that also means you can learn to overcome that fear. Yeah. And it has applications mostly for PTSD mm. patients, people who have traumatic war veterans, victims of sexual assault. It has all these applications right. where you have all these anxieties and these triggers that are connected to the traumatic thing. And then if your body learned how to be afraid of it. It can also learn how to not be afraid of it. Oh. So it's kind of how it becomes stronger than <laughs> yesterday. So it's all very, so that was his, P, his PhD research. Now he's studying stress and anxiety, which is connected. It's similar. How many of us um, are anxious this year? Like we are all dealing with also, crippling anxiety with the world events. He also studied OCD. Okay. Like, all these things are connected to each other. But Well, let me ask you, just in relation to the dead zone, does he believe in ESP? 
So I asked him yes, if this was a thing, and he said it's actually considered quack science. But, but <laughs> what science? Like, like you know, like no one fi- no one takes it seriously. It's like it's like it's like, like astrology a, oh, or like something. Like you're a quack. Like a quack science. I thought you were but, like guac, like guacamole science. I was like, well, that is delicious and very is it real. Quack. <laughs> Quack science quack. is that a thing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> wow. Between like your accent or whatever. and my southern upbringing, who knows if it's quack or quack or quack? Anyway. <laughs> so, but he says it should be studied more often. But it has, you know, it's like through the in certain periods of scientific learning, mm-hmm. um, people focus on certain things, so they're not focusing on that now. Mm-hmm. But he said some people should pursue this research. But mm-hmm. it was like, so all these movies that depict parapsychologists and ES, like in The Dead Zone right. and Firestarter, many Stephen King things. Right. But also around that period, right? Around that era, like Carrie, I mean, they're all Stephen King. Yeah. Stephen King gave everyone all the ideas. <laughs> but, you know, there was, even in Poltergeist, right? There were all these paranormal doctors mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So I was like, was this a thing in the 70s or is this like all fiction? Right. Um, and he says it's mostly fiction. Okay. He says it actually should be pursued more seriously. Some people do, mm-hmm. but they're not take people aren't the community of scientists is not interested in that. So the they write thought, it off, but he's like, oh, they there write could it off. be something to it. He's not writing it off completely. Yes, it's like it, it's not really being pursued right hmm. now. So what um, I, I read, because I never knew what the title The Dead Zone meant. I never knew. I was just like, what a fucking strange name for, for is it like the war zone and, you know, or like uh, society? Right. Yeah, I never knew where I just didn't look it up. And then I read that it was named for that theory that we only use 10% of our brains. And that's been, you know, famously debunked, like that's not true. But then I also read in an article that what where that was misconstrued is that there are different neurons in your brains in different regions. And and people are studying and they find it kind of mystifying of how they communicate to each other. But most scientists know how that works, right? But um, there's like a cluster of cells around the neurons and they don't know what the main function of those clusters are. But they're like, okay, well, they, do they protect the neurons? Do they help transmit the thoughts? Like what, what is going on here? So I think it got telephoned down the line of we only understand how 10% of our brain works. You know what I mean? I think it's, and this is, my brother and I have these discussions. We know very little about the brain. Yeah. The the science of the brain, which is his field of work, is Mm -hmm. just starting. Mm -hmm. So I think it's not so much that we use 10% of our brain. It's exactly what you said, Mm -hmm. that we don't really know. We don't know what's going on. What our brain is actually doing. Oh, the irony. (laughs) What's going on up there? They're doing, they're, this is what he does. They're focusing on little things. So he, that's what he was saying. The ESP thing question mm-hmm. right now is not a thing. People are interested in learning about trauma, about PTSD, about stress disorders, anxiety, because we are all fucking anxious and stressed out because oh, the fucking God. world is falling the fuck apart. Yeah. So the We're science is moment. trying to, to learn that. But maybe at another time, they'll be more interested in all these other But There's so much that there's, I mean, we have 
hundreds of years to go before we understand this. Right. Isn't that interesting? It's so interesting to me. We know as much about the brain as we know about space. <laughs> Just put those two, two things oh, well. together. We have a lot to learn. And with that, I'm so, going to take a drink. <laughs> yes. I'll just kill a few cells because, I mean, I don't know what they do. <laughs> Who knows? What are you drinking? Um, what are you drinking tonight? I am drinking Skyfall. Skyfall. I know. I, I have like a, like 20 bottles of this thing. You should hold on to them with your life. I love because Skyfall. So Sponsor us, Skyfall. Um, I am slumming it tonight. You and I started like talking with some tequila and I had a delicious watermelon basil margarita because Jack used to be a, a bartender back in the day. And I'm like, eh, I'm either going to have some tequila and soda water or some wine. So can you help me out here? So he made a delicious drink. And uh, but right now I am drinking Ralph's version of a rosé wine. <laughs> it's You're it's quite good. It's quite good. It's a the simple truth or whatever like brand. It's just like the Ralph's. Brand. Oh, I know that. I know that yeah, one. Yeah, and and they kind one. of they label it. One. They're they're like we're we're making it with organic grapes and it's ten dollars. Like hey, buy me. So I'm like okay, and it's quite dry. That's a good one. Yeah, I like it. It's, an, it's so a yeah. Nice wine. In in COVID, I have no access to hard alcohol because I'm in North Carolina and we only mm. can get our hard alcohol from the government-owned ABC stores. Oh. And since I am in the middle of the outbreak because UNC Chapel Hill decided to open and everyone's getting the freaking thing, <sighs> I can't go to the liquor store. But you're going to send me some shit. I'm sending it- you a jail package. Like, I'm sending you straight-up espresso martini makings. And <gasps> I'll get it to yes. you. I'm going to find out Kalua. how... Yeah. Like, we're going to smuggle you some booze. Or, and if anybody else would like to send booze to Dr. G, he needs it and will appreciate it's, it's it. A pro- it's prohibition <laughs> era over here still. I don't know why. God knows. That's, oh, that's so frustrating. It's so weird how the states are dealing with different liquor licenses and laws and, and you know, COVID in general. So <laughs> to each their own. Everybody has their own setup right now. Um, anyways, so we're going to the dead zone. This is another Deborah Hill produced film directed yes. by mind melter, David Cronenberg. Bum, 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 bum. One of my favorite directors. And strangely enough, this is a movie that I had not revisited very often. I and, know. And when I, one of the things that I discovered in watching it, how much of a David Cronenberg movie this actually is. Oh. And so that was one of it, an interesting, I saw it, because I know I love a lot of David Cronenberg mm-hmm. movies. So David Cronenberg has done two things in his life. Mm-hmm. Original screenplays that he wrote and that he made, and these are the Videodrome and Existence type movies. Oh, Existence. And then he's, he's also, it's really good at adapting books or other materials so he did things like the dead zone mm-hmm. um more recently a history of violence based on the graphic novel but he's so he's kind of always hopscotch between adaptations and his own original material mm-hmm. um, i tend to gravitate towards his original work more because mm-hmm. i find it more interesting mm-hmm. but i find that his adaptations are more connected to his original work than I thought. And so, I noticed this in this movie. Yes, I, I totally agree with you because I I saw this as a kid. I saw this repeatedly as a kid, but I, I just gravitated towards Christopher Walken. I just loved mm-hmm. him from an... Oh. Uh, 
good god so good i loved him i loved the iciness of the movie like the sterile coldness of the movie Mm -hmm. and i was just starting to get into stephen king so i had like you i had always put this in my head as a stephen king joint but i did see as an older person like oh cronenberg really stamped his originality all over this there are some shots that are just so beautiful and certain um ways that walken is directed it's very dark very he just has the style that is it's you know cronenberg it's it's wonderful it's he's a mind melter that's all i can say (laughs) i mean and he's he's very like a cronenberg movie has a, a certain structure and a certain um what's the word self-contained there's something about a corner movie that is i call it a quiet confidence you know yes a quiet confidence (laughs) oh i like that but it's it's you know it's he's always used the same composer which i think if it was not in this movie it's it's Howard Shore usually, but I don't know if this was a Howard Shore score. It mm. sounds like one, mm-hmm. so maybe it's Cornerberry directing, but I, I cannot, don't quote me on it. Okay. Um, but he also has usually this pre credit sequence mm-hmm. that starts the movie with music that has a design of some sort, mm-hmm. and then it goes into the movie. But a lot of his movies are very focused on the acting and the production design. They're very self, not self contained. Like, they're not wide in scope. They're intimate mm-hmm. and up close. If yeah. that makes any sense. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, you're suckered in. I mean, from the get-go. And I, I love so much of his um, his filmography. I mean, but I, I love Maps to the Stars. You know me, like mm-hmm. Julianne fan forever. <sighs> and I feel like this was a similar vibe. Yes. But it's interesting that you're like, okay, there's definitely a difference between his original works and the adaptations. And I, for me, I'm like, man, he just knocks it out of the park with both like i just it's very rare that a director can do that in my opinion but going back to a summary of the dead zone um christopher walken plays a teacher who gets in a freak accident and the accident causes him to have psychic visions and ultimately foresees the end of the world and uh martin sheen plays donald trump they call him greg stilson in this but we know he plays donald trump (laughs) jesus fucking christ it is so scary I know I knew going back into this yeah. that that because I know Stephen King has talked about oh I predicted Donald Trump yeah. and I you know when I wrote this character and I've seen him talk about it and now he says that this is far scarier than anything that he's written he says this reality yeah. is way more terrifying and it, it, it's, right now well he has two books he has the stand and this going oh, on God. at the same time. Let's just look at that. Let's just it's reread crazy. those as manuals of like so what should we do when all this goes down. <laughs> Like, Which, by the way, there's a stand remake coming out in December. Oh, I know. Did you know about I this? Do, with I do. I do. With Whoopi, of course. I follow her on Instagram. Yes. She's excited about it. Yes. <laughs> um, Alexander Skarsgård. Oh, it's gonna be so good. Can't do any wrong. So, if anybody who has not seen The Dead Zone, I highly, highly recommend before before Election Day. Please see this movie. It is quite powerful quite striking eerily accurate okay so Guillermo and I we're democratic free thinking people we are not here to be bleeding heart liberals on you however this Greg Stilson character is Donald Trump I mean to the T where there's quotes that you look at it in the book and you hear it in the movie and then you turn on the news and it they line up so there is 
the whole point of this movie, like the the climax, Christopher Walken is very fearful that the president is going to end mankind by pressing the button. Donald Trump mm-hmm. is on camera saying, my button is bigger than yours and my button works. So if you would like to peace out of this podcast, it's cool. It's fine. We hope that you come back for something new. But we are definitely going to do a lot of comparisons between Craig Stilson and Donald Trump in the dead zone. And, and what does that mean? Because I think as I, from what I remember in the novel, the novel actually follows Greg Stilson's character even more so than in the movie. Of course, the yes. yeah, shorter, right? Uh-huh. So you get to know the character more and more and more. And it is literally the picture, the, the very, very much Donald Trump. It's yeah. like built that way. Um, so it's it's fascinating because this movie is related to Cold War fears. Mm-hmm. And one of the notes that I put is like, oh my God, this movie is reflecting, you know, the whole button thing is yeah. very much a cold, the nuclear war. For sure. Russia or the Soviet Union versus the United States. Mm-hmm. The weapons pointed at each other. We were all like living under that shit in the 80s. Um, the fact that we live in the times that we live now, it's almost like we're in the Cold War part two. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We're in the sequel to the Cold War. Uh-huh. And ironically, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. So we have Putin in Russia, mm-hmm. Trump here. Mm-hmm. And my God, it's like it's been 30 years, however, 30 years, wait, 30, yes, 30 years since the fall of the Berlin Wall, mm-hmm. and the fall of communism and the fall of Russia or the Soviet Union. And it's the same fucking movie, right? How can a movie made 40 years of still reflect years the ago, same? It's the same. Yeah. It's insane. So let's start at the credits. Let's get I have there. Comments about the credits. I do too. So I, the there's this ominous opening credits that shows you rural America as the the letters of the of the title of the movie that so come mm-hmm. over it right, mm-hmm. um, and immediately I saw, oh my God, is the U.S. soon to be the dead zone? <laughs> yeah, it was so crazy. Yeah, I, I was like, it's 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 telling you the dead zone is this rural area that you're seeing, and immediately, of course, I'm connecting the idea of this whole rural versus urban divide that we have going on right now, which is also a divide between Republicans and Democrats. All of the cities in the United States are Democrat-leaning or liberal, mm-hmm. and all of the rural areas are you know, following Trumpism and mm-hmm. all this stuff. So by seeing these rural images of the United States over the title, I immediately thought, oh, this is going to be the downfall of this country. It's oh, these rural okay. areas that are maybe overlooked mm-hmm. or left behind or something, but it was what, I mean, this is my 2020 revision. <laughs> so immediately I was like, Oh shit, mm-hmm. the rural areas are the dead zone. Even though that's not what the dead zone means, which you already kind of talked about a little bit, but you know, immediately you associate mm-hmm. these two things um, I agree. together. Another point that immediately came up at that moment is David Cronenberg is Canadian. Is and so this movie, even though it's an adaptation of a Stephen King novel, it is the perspective of a Canadian looking at the United States from hmm. outside. Wow. Huh. And I thought that was, 
That's fascinating. And that's that's the lens that I was in. It was the like, Canadian lens. The Canadian lens. So with a foggy effect with maple syrup thoughts. just dripping on top. Of yes. It. So there was a Canadian lens looking wow. into the neighboring okay. country. That's fascinating. Okay. Which David Cronenberg does in other movies right. as well, but that's where I was at. Okay. Um, do you have any thoughts about the opening? Well, I want to go right into the next scene with uh, Mr. Christopher Walken. Like, I, he starts the whole thing with um, quoting Edgar Allan Poe. He's quoting mm -hmm. The Raven, which our last movie, The Fog, that we covered on this podcast, started with an Edgar Allan Poe quote as the credit card. Yep. Um, the opening title credit. And Connections. yeah, and at first I'm like, just just Dub Hill, like a a super Poe fan, or I ah. I don't know. I mean, I just thought it was really interesting that we have like two Edgar Allan Poe references just to open right off the bat of like, guys, this is gonna be a dark ass story. It's gonna be poetic. You might learn something, but it's gonna be dark, so buckle up. Like that's kinda like the vibe that I got. But um my whole thing about this opening sequence. So Christopher Walken is so gleefully reciting Edgar Allan Poe. I mean, the irony is kind of fun. You know how whenever happy songs are, they had like the saddest lyrics and they're just so boppy. And once you really start listening to it, you're like, oh, this is pretty fucked up, huh? You know? Um, so Christopher Walken is just really taking joy and reciting this. And then he is so enthusiastic about, okay, and next week we're gonna do Sleepy Hollow is about a demonic headless horseman. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, E S fucking P, you're gonna be the headless horseman in 10 years in Sleepy Hollow. And uh, not typecasting, where Martin Sheen always plays a president. He's a president in this movie. He's gonna be a president in so many movies. That's just good old fashioned typecasting. But Christopher Walken plays the um, the Headless Horseman, and also he plays a, a Gabriel oh the my Angel. God, I didn't even realize, right? This. <gasps> yes, and he so, played the Headless Horseman in Tim Burton's Sleepy Hollow. Yeah, yeah, like Jesus fucking Christ, psychic! <laughs> oh my, this blows my motherfucking mind. No. And then, and then Martin he was in the Sheen prophecy. is the president in West Wing. <gasps> <gasps> okay, you just blew everything up. With a nuclear button. That's hilarious. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, keep going. I didn't even go there. You wow. are so okay. funny. But no, I'm going to blow your mind a little bit more because he was in The Prophecy. Do you remember that movie that came out later? Yes. He's he, Gabriel yes. the Angel. He is the head prophet in The Prophecy. Anyways, this could be construed as typecasting, but I don't think it is. I think it's just kind of like a slow little stepping stones of things to come. I totally believe in psychic energy and ESP. And I do think there's just, there's just brainwaves that we don't use. I don't think it's like up to mysticism, but I do think that we connect on such a weird subconscious level that things do come. Oh, what are you going to say? Well, I'm going to blow your mind. On blow that, my blow mind. mind. <laughs> so I, one of the thoughts that I had when I was watching this, I was like, you know, Stephen King it always somewhat writes from an autobiographical standpoint in a lot of his books. You know, he wrote Misery about a writer. Right. He was a writer. Mm -hmm. um, Shining, same thing. And he got into a bad so, accident. And so the misery kind of like what if scenario. Exactly. So I was like, how interesting is that this character is an English teacher. Stephen King was an English teacher mm -hmm. when he was writing before he became famous. Mm -hmm. Um 
And I was like, oh, my God, Stephen King is writing about himself as a teacher. Based, mm -hmm. This is based on his own, what he was doing. Mm -hmm. And then he is the psychic who predicts Donald <laughs> Trump. So, so ultimately, is, he uh, taught himself something new. <laughs> exactly. So he's, he's writing his main character based on himself when he was a teacher. Right, teaching probably at Garland Poe, mm -hmm. as, as you see in the opening scene of the movie. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, I mean, he was literally an English literature teacher when he was living in a trailer with his wife and kids when he wrote Carrie and hit it big. Mm -hmm. But he's writing this character as a psychic who learns how to, you know, how to see the future in order to help people and so forth. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what his writing is is doing in this book it's telling us what the future is actually going to be it's, Whoa, yeah right. it kind of has like this adaptation moment of just like we're, we're in a meta land right now and i just wonder how does he wake up and not go crazy <laughs> i mean <sighs> and it's you know he has meta fictional books right uh what is it dark half misery right. shining all these books that are very meta mm -hmm. this book is not supposed to be a meta book but then it i realized but it is yeah right it's 100% a hundred percent that's meta book. wild it's totally wild and and i always think um you know people could argue i look at i always look at a counterpoint you know of people could always argue that you could study the history of dictatorships or, or struggles to power or capitalism, things like that. Like you can always kind of tell a steady trajectory or look at history, but the instances that he writes, I mean, they're just so specific with the quotes, the rallies, like everything is so specific that it's just eerie. It's just, to me, it crosses that line of studying a pattern to being a full blown like future teller. I mean, it's just <laughs> crazy to me. Which is what the book is about. So yes. That's to me that's the mind blowing part. The book is predicting the future with the storyline, but mm -hmm. the book is about someone who's predicting this the future. Mm -hmm. And then you kinda go there and you go into like you go insane. But incredible. So right. we we have these, I mean, I'm going to go to the next scenes of, you know, his day, like they establish he's great, he's happy with his job, he's dating this girl, and then he gets into a freak accident. And then he develops his psychic powers from this traumatic event. So but before you go to the accident, I just want to do a quick comment about that roller coaster sequence when he goes. Oh, out on yeah, the yeah, date yeah, yeah. And their montage um, of like, we're all happy and everything's great. Life is great. And he had like a little headache or something on the roller coaster. Yeah, and this is error. And yeah. the roller coaster scene is very visceral. And it's kind of the first instance where he feels something psychic is going to happen. So the interesting part about that is that he doesn't have, so from what I understand, he's never had these powers up until he has the accident and the coma and all of that. Mm -hmm. But he seems to be predicting the fact that he's going to have the powers. Hmm. So in this roller coaster sequence, hmm. so it's almost like he is having a premonition of the fact that he's going to have an accident that's going to give him these powers. Mm -hmm. So again, this is like meta upon meta thing. Mm -hmm. But also, I just have to comment on this. When I saw him in that scene, I'm like, oh my God. Is it just me or this Chris, young Christopher Walken look a little bit like a young Bernie Sanders? <gasps> look at look a pic, look it up. Look at picture of Bernie Sanders in the sixties. It is this character, the haircut oh, and everything. 
My, I'm going to look this shit up right now. Because, I mean, I love me a young walk and I just need to see it with, I've never seen a young Bernie Sanders, really. Wait, it's the teeth. Look it up. <laughs> I had, it's, it's wild. It's wild. Okay. Oh, oh, okay. Okay, you I can see? see this. I can see this. Yeah, it's the mouth. It's definitely the mouth, the high cheekbones, and yeah. Wow. Oh, wow. I totally see this. <gasps> so I never would have gotten there. I never would have gotten there. Because, of course, there. we're thinking of Trump with Stilson later on. Yeah, and here we have Bernie on this roller coaster. Bernie, <laughs> who's telling you shit's going to go down if you don't do something about it, as he did last week at the DNC. As he did so, for years, and nobody wants to fucking listen. Nobody listened. Cassandra. He was Cassandra. Yeah. The, the doom is coming. But it's not coming. We're going to stop it. Don't worry. Um, so then the accident happens. Mm-hmm. And then, wait, do you have something to say about the accident? No, no, no. Keep going. So my thought was, are we all Christopher Walken after this accident? And I'm thinking because we're all losing basically all of for an entire year this year. Right? Yeah. We're all losing 2020. And who knows what the fuck we're going to be like. That is out of such this. an astute observation. I agree with that. Yeah. He lost time. He was in a coma. And he's just, oh. So we're all going to lose a year and we're going to be, whenever this is all over, it's gonna, we're going to feel like he does when he wakes up. Yeah. And he he's, just lost five he, years. We're going to lose one year, maybe. Hopefully not five, God, please. God, just one. And I just, oh. <laughs> just one is enough. Um, so that was one thought. I was like, oh, we're all going to kind of have this waking up from the coma feeling. Mm-hmm. In 2021. I'm like, what's my job again? Um, and who are these people and, around me? And what do I think anymore? What, what are these clothes even? <laughs> I mean, I agree with that aspect. So that's one aspect that con- constantly connects me as, a, as an audience member in 2020 mm-hmm. with the character. And then I had another thought. Okay. Because then when he it starts... Because we're, from his perspective, we also skipped the five years. But then all these people that he encounters have had this whole life in mm-hmm. those five years. Mm-hmm. So then I thought of, does Johnny represent all those ex-friends return like no time has passed? And you know, oh, you know what I'm talking about. shit. I flipped a coin. <laughs> right? Because he, to him, he says to the, to the girl, the ex-girlfriend who's now married and whatever, he's like, to me, it was yesterday that we went out on that day. Oh. And I'm like, oh my God, is this what those people that come back to our lives after five, six years, like, you know, like, hey, you know, Guillermo, you know my mouth about. is dropped <laughs> right now. Oh my God. So listeners, I feel like all of you have had at least one of these instances that in quarantine and COVID, it's been lasting a long ass time. I'm sure people from the past have either Instagram DM'd you or Facebook messaged you or sent you a random text or an email. It doesn't have to be good or bad, but just somebody that you're like, oh, oh, I haven't thought about that person. Oh, okay. I feel I have talked to so many different people that not only is it one person, but it's like four people. They're like, oh, we just lost touch and now we're reconnecting. And some of it's good, some of it's bad. Some of it's really weird of just, you know, 
as if they talked to you yesterday, but really a decade has passed. And they're just like, hey, what's up? What's going on? What's happening? And and it's just such a strange phenomenon to me. It's mm-hmm. I, everybody that I've talked to, this has happened to. So if you're listening, you're like, well, that doesn't apply to me. Uh, your time's coming. Somebody's, somebody's going to fucking be like, hey, remember it, me? You're going to get that text. <laughs> you're going to get a visit. From the past. <laughs> and you're going to be like, what? W-T-F. Wow. That's such a good point. Did not relay those two but i agree so that's where i was at that point i was like hmm. <laughs> so then i know you want to go to tom scarrett tom scarrett hot cop <laughs> <laughs> well like okay so you know christopher walken has all these powers now and and then tom scarrett i think doesn't he see him on tv and is like maybe you can help us you know be a be like patricia arquette and <laughs> <laughs> and <In> medium, medium. <laughs> <laughs> like come help us out here and um and there was a uh, i think the introduction of the castle rock killer was this the first mention of castle rock in in this situation in the in the and dead mean, zone in the, in, in, in the book yes in the book yes but is it the first castle rock book that i, I don't that's why I, th- I thought it was i thought it was the introduction it of like be. here's this sleepy main town and some weird shit happens into it anyways so the castle rock it, killer no, it might be i don't i'm trying to remember i will yeah it might be because this is an early novel right um i felt so, like it was i could totally be wrong we'll fact check this fifth book so i don't there was like carrie that's not a castle rock no um, Shining is not a Castle Rock. And Needful Things came out way later. Yeah, way later, 1990. Yeah. Seven years later. So, yeah, this could be the first. I'm not entirely sure uh, of my well, order We'll fact of check books. and we'll edit accordingly. <laughs> but, like, um, so Tom Skerritt shows up and is, like, hot mustache and his his self and he's like the sheriff of this town and the castle rock killer is murdering these girls and of course they're white girls because nobody would care if they were black girls because that's how the world works mm-hmm. so that's what brought me to my 2020 life of like okay yeah they they care about some girls being murdered okay so they're gonna find christopher walken and see if he can find the killer and um there's a lot of suspension with is it tom scarrett and this whole thing with the police of you can't trust the police, like mm-hmm. question authority. They're not on your side. And so revisiting this, and even though I've seen this movie so many times, I thought I was like, is it Tom Skerritt? Did he do it? Or was it his buddy, his coworker? I can't remember. It's, yes. And, and so we're watching it and there's that beautiful shot in the tunnel where Christopher Walken goes down and his like collar is popped like nobody can pop a collar like walking like he just looks epic he looks you know a little like poe you know just yes. uh, like poe you know um he's walking there in the tunnel and he's trying to get the visions and he he feels that he can't say anything because he he's getting the the vibes that it could be one of them but he's not quite sure yet and i know this is completely my interpretation i know this is not the filmmaker's intent or anything like that but i thought oh you can't say because you're in a dark space with these police officers and and then later mm-hmm. when he does reveal who it is he actually has the real vision in front of the press cameras but in my 2020 world i'm like there are cameras you're in a safe place there's all these people here you can announce that one of the cops is the killer, you know, and not be hushed and silenced or shot in the back or whatnot, you know. Um, but there was a moment when he's in the gazebo and having the vision and realizes that it's, you know, Tom Skerritt's buddy, his coworker, the deputy or whatnot, 
um, where he sees the the vision of her getting killed, and he keeps repeating, "I stood there. I did nothing." And that's not a good walk, and I should do a walk in with that. Like I stood there. <laughs> I I did nothing. I can't do it. walking is so hard to do, and I love him. But anyways, <laughs> he laments that he just watch the whole fucking thing and that's another thing in our society only until recently we're getting the the oh what you gotta say well i one of the things i realized when i was watching this movie so i also so the police killer i was like whoa is i think the theme of the movie is that we are constantly watching things and letting them happen and not doing anything about it and Mm -hmm. there's something about it um Christopher Walken's arc in this story, mm-hmm. where he's this person that's kind of trapped between two times and has been very passive and is trying to do something about oh, it. Oh, yeah. And he learns that he can. So for the huh. at the beginning of the movie, it's all like these horrible things are happening. There's nothing I can do about them. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then he learns that he like he couldn't save the, the victims of this serial killer mm-hmm. or the, the police killer. Mm-hmm. But he eventually learns that he can change the future. And that's what the dead zone is. That's the mm. meaning of the dead zone is oh. the fact that he can change the future. And when he learns that, that's when the, the, the when you go into act three, when he says, okay, I, get, I can kill this guy and actually save the world. Gamo, are we in the dead zone? Yep, I think we're in the dead zone right fucking now. So I, my thing was this whole fucking movie is a voting PSA for our 2020 election. Yes, it's yes. telling me go fucking vote because it's not over yet. Yes, we have not lost the democracy. We are in the dead zone, motherfuckers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my god, I love so you. So this movie is very, very, very relevant to right now. I. It's eerie. It's so eerie. So everybody wants a piece of Christopher Walken after solving the castle killer murder. Um, Everybody wants him to tell them what's wrong with them, when they're going to die, what's going to happen in sports, all this kind of stuff. So he holds up in his house and he is in quarantine. And that really struck me. And he's also there in this striped robe, like this really shabby robe and this little cane being a prophet. He is a biblical prophet just like sitting in his house he can tell the future doesn't want to share it with anybody he is safer in his little home and he does say um the doctor comes to visit him of just like okay this is giving you anxiety maybe we can use your powers for good or we can try to take them away you just seem very unhappy and let's you know take you to a hospital and do some experiments and he's like no i'm in a controlled environment i am safe here and i thought that was really interesting that was a 2020 check but um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then what, you know, oh, what were you gonna say? No, no, that the, the when the father of the kid that he comes to him, yeah, because he's a good teacher. He's a good teacher, and the guy comes for him to be like, "Teach my kid." Be your, I know that you're retired. I know who the fuck you are, but teach my kid. You know, tutor him. But he doesn't school. want. He wants people to come to him. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to leave his house. Yeah. He's getting so like postmates. He's, he's in quarantine. He's like, people have COVID-19 out there. I don't want to leave my house. But he eventually, you know, goes, mm-hmm. right? Because he wants to help this kid. Mm-hmm. So one interesting thing that I noticed about this kid is that his name is Danny, which mm-hmm. is the same name of the character from The Shining. Mm-hmm. 
thought was that crossover much. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing is, and I don't know if I'm projecting. Oh, please project. You know, I do this. You're going to. Mm, okay. I know what you're going to say. Tell but me. I was like, this shy kid might be gay. <laughs> I think. Mm, <laughs> I don't know. I read a gay storyline with this kid. He likes those other hockey player people. Kid, I don't know. You know what? I think that's an interesting perspective. And so here's the thing, guys. Guillermo, I call him a gay communist. He thinks that everybody is gay until proven straight. And it's like an ongoing joke. Please don't take that literally. But he's, it's just really funny. He's like, "Mm, he probably experimented. Oh, that one, definitely. Like he's, he can call it out pretty, pretty accurately. So, um, yeah. I so I don't know. I can Did see you that. Get, I mean, there is something about the kid. He's not expressing well, I mean, you're, himself. You're a gay man, so I feel like that would be an interesting insight. And if you felt that instinct, I totally believe you. I mean, from my perspective, I mean, I don't know how that feels. I mean, from my perspective, I'd be like, oh, you don't really want to be in sports. Like you're doing it. You're mm-hmm. you're more shy, or you're like you have other things to do. You're a little, you know, disassociative with your dad. I mean, he just, he, he seemed like he was living his own life. He seemed like way cooler than the other hockey kids. Yeah, it's like the dad sees him one way. And yeah. Then when, you, when, the, when, when he, Johnny meets him, mm-hmm. he's like, no, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. It's just that that doesn't get who I am. Right. And I was like, And the dad wasn't a bad guy either. He was, you no, know. yeah. He was forceful. He, but he was, was trying to—he was trying to force the kid to do certain things right. that he didn't want to do. What is deemed normal quote unquote. So I could see, I could see him harboring a little gay story vibe. I don't know. I just, it was super hidden. Yeah. (laughs) And David Cronenberg does have a lot of, he loves to play with the fun homoerotic stuff. For sure. Not that much in this movie, but in other movies. So I superimposed. I'm with you on that. Thanks for bringing that to light. Okay. Um, And then the other thing I wanted to, to kind of briefly touch upon before we move on to the third act mm-hmm. is the crazy mother of the killer in that one insane oh, scene yeah. they, where she's like, what do we make of that? I, I, I kind of, a, I threw it back to it was a, like a psycho moment or something. I, I threw it back mother. to the poltergeist thing of being compliant of like, she knew, she knew what he was she doing. Knew. She knew. And she even said, I mean, and Christopher Walken was more shocked of like, you knew, you knew of these atrocities. Like, how fucking dare you? And then just, you know. She's Georgina Chapman. <laughs> I know, I went too far. No, you did not. You did not. I love you. Uh, so, yeah, I just kind of wrote it off as that. She's compliant. Um. Yeah, so let's 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 get into Martin Sheen when he shows up. Are we ready for Martin Sheen? Okay. So Martin Sheen plays Greg Stilson and and his adorable AKA Donald <sighs> Trump. Yes. I mean, the moment he shows up, I was I wrote Trump Oh Trump, my god, Trump, Martin Trump, Sheen. Trump. <laughs> uncanny. Exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. So, and this is where we do not read deeply into this. This is blatantly in our faces with how specific it is. Because, okay, in the book, he is a door-to-door Bible salesman. In the Mm -hmm. movie, I did not get this until this revisitation. He is in real estate. Can Mm -hmm. you not 
fucking believe that. He is a real estate con artist. He brags about how he cons people. It's it's unreal. And uh, but before we get super far into that, I wanted to ask you your thoughts on there's this slow billboard um, construction outside of his window where it's Greg Stilson, like for the people, super Americana, right outside Christopher Walken's house. What do you think the the symbol is of that and just like he sees it in the future and it's right in front of his face that we all know that this destruction is going to happen and then some of us it's clearer than others like what did you get from that to me the billboard is a representation of fascism Mm -hmm. is rising in front of you Mm -hmm. and you're not even it's in your in front of your house Mm -hmm. in front of your face Mm -hmm. and you're not even realizing it and so for him being the psychic character of course he can only feel that the psychic bias when he touches the person right Mm -hmm. but there is something about it's right in your face this thing is rising in front of you it's in your front yard this propaganda is in front your front yard you uh-huh. ignore it until it's too late so you know in a way I, I wrote this are we all christopher walken comatose and in need of awakening and i think he says when they come to his door i think this is when the the ex-girlfriend and her husband show up for the first time oh, for the, yes. well she's not her but the husband he meets the husband for the first time he tells them i'm not even registered and i thought this is when i but when I first thought of this whole thing, oh, my God, this is like, please fucking go vote. Um, and, and, because this person is not even registered and a dictatorship is forming in front of him. A fascist dictatorship yes. is building a billboard in front of him. And, and I got to say, that moment was also hilarious for me because the, the kid, the the cute little gay hockey kid, but we've determined that he's gay now. The mm-hmm. the cute little kid is is by Christopher Walken and just kind of talking to him. And they're talking about their feelings. So I'm, I'm with you on this gay theory. I really am. I like this because he was like a very introspective, intelligent child and, and really cared, had empathy for Christopher Walken. Everybody else saw him as a freak. And he's just like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm a freak. Like, I can totally see this theory. Usually I call you a gay communist, He's, but I see you. No, see no, you but he, it's like they, they, they connect. He said, on a deep, as, a, a as the level. outsider, as the person being left yeah. outside. And okay. And so he's there for a tutor session at Christopher Walken's house or whatnot. And then when the ex-girlfriend shows up with the dude that's not registered to vote and she has like this big Greg Stilson for Senate mm. button and everything, she shows up and they have like an awkward moment. Just like, here's the propaganda. Hope you vote. Bye. And she goes and he breaks down sobbing and crying. And the, the, the kid says, what's wrong? What's wrong? And he just really doesn't get it. And as a child, even as a young person rewatching this movie, I'm like, oh, he's crying over a love loss. Like, what could have been? And she's there with her new dude. I, you know, this was my superficial thoughts at the time. Now I'm like, he is sobbing because, oh, she is a Trump supporter. She's, (laughs) what? I can see the future, but I didn't call that one. I didn't know she was uninformed. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) I I really took it so differently. Um, He had always respected her. And then she came to his door and was like, I'm doing this now it might as well be like okay here's my cult hope you join bye <laughs> i mean no, but it's, it's also like he slept for five years rip van winkle style yeah and everything has gone so wrong much more wrong than he initially thought so yes. it's already wrong that he had lost it's catastrophic girl. but the fact that people are thinking in this way 
he missed that. Yeah. Right. He yeah. missed the fact that there is a change in society that has led to people supporting this crazy I, con artist. I mean, look, if I got into Hello. a car accident, if I got into a car accident and then I woke up one day and then I looked at somebody straight in the face and they're like, oh, you do know that the world is flat, right? I'd be like, kill me. Take me out of here. I don't know what's happening anymore. Like, what's what's right and what's wrong anymore? So it's, it's again, it's this idea that this character wakes up one day and realizes that things are going in a terribly mm-hmm. wrong direction and he missed the, the leap. But at the same time, the movie's telling you this has been happening right in front of his Exactly. Face, it's been a slow, yard. steady build, buddy. It's been happening. So... The movie is subconsciously telling its audience mm-hmm. something is happening right in front of you. Right. And you cannot, you did not have a coma for five years to uh-huh. claim that you, you are ignoring it on purpose and you need to do something about it. I agree. That's what I kept thinking. Even though he has an excuse with his coma, but not being observant or ignoring mm. it or not leaving your house to face reality, mm. it, is, it is being complacent with mm-hmm. the downfall mm-hmm. of your own society. I agree. So, Preach. Again, the movie's yelling at you, do something about it while you still can. God. Otherwise, you're fucked. And that's where we are <laughs> right now. So do you want to go into how similar these two are? Do you want to go through that? I mean, I, yes. So I, it's, it's crazy to me. Like, um, uh, lit, uh, first thing I know, do, I mean, I can go, I have bullet points about uh, this. Yes, yes. So Greg Stilson, a.k.a. Donald Trump in the movie, uh-huh. literally attacks the press. Literally, he goes to the guy, the the, the journalist, oh, yeah. and attacks him. Which, and there's <laughs> there's been violence at MAGA rallies, documented violence. So, yes, that mirrors so, today. Mm-hmm. Suppressing the press. Mm-hmm. Um, then the rally, right? It was exactly the same They're thing. They're MAGA rallies. The freaking hat. Can we talk about that? Let's hat? talk about the hat. I wrote that down in my notebook. I was just like, exclamation point. And I also love that Martin Sheen is a hardcore Democrat in real life. And here he's playing <laughs> the monster of all the, the, the baddies of all baddies, right, in this movie. Just Democratic person in life, Democratic president on the West Wing, Republican, baddie, 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 Donald Trump in this. I'm wearing construction hats at the also, rallies. Hispanic, by the way. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. There, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but Martin Sheen's real name is, last name is Estrada, as his son, Emilio mm-hmm. Estrada, mm-hmm. kept the family name. Mm-hmm. So I don't, are they Cuban? I think he's Cuban. Oh, I don't know. Not completely sure about this. Yeah. Let me look this up. Let's not butcher, butcher this. So his name is Martin Estrada. That's his original name. And I believe he's of Cuban descent. But let me look this up before I fuck this up. I know so that- oh, oh my God, his name. Ramon Antonio Esteves. Esteves. That accent that you just threw no, on there was found- amazing. <laughs> Ramon. <laughs> so he was he was born in Dayton, Ohio, but his... Well, um, that just decreased the magic right there. <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. His his father is Francisco Esteves Martinez, who is from... Where is he from? Where can you tell me? You know, we just kind of bookended this. Like, we, we opened the episode talking about Denise Richards, who was married to Charlie Sheen. Who was married Sheen. to Charlie Sheen. 
whose real name is Carlos Esteves. Which he should say with the Esteves. Which a lot of people don't you know? know that. Only Emilio kept the name. Um, oh, it's, it doesn't have any, any... Oh, he's from Spain. So, Spanish. His father is from Spain. Directly from Spain. And his mother is from Ireland. Oh, that's Both a good of mix. them are immigrants. So, Martin Sheen mm-hmm. is half Spanish, half Irish. Mm-hmm. Parents, immigrants. Not born in the United States. He's a first generation American. He seems like a lovely person, Boom. too. So anyways, also hardcore, hardcore Democrat, like hardcore. So. And he just seems like a lovely human. So anyways, he's playing this nasty, nasty, which you have to have empathy to understand why the lack of is so devastating. So at these MAGA rallies with the construction hats and everything like that, there's even a, a scene where he's throwing hot dogs into the crowd. Puerto Rico, paper towels, mm-hmm. anybody? Yeah, I exactly. mean, Motherfucker. that's why I'm talking about the how specific this is and not just like, Oh, this tyrant rose to power. It's like, no, these things happened in the past few years that. So one of the main things that I wrote here is that what this means is this representation of Greg Stilson is in connection to Donald Trump today is that the cold war fears, because this is a movie about cold war fears. There were Mm -hmm. so many movies in the eighties about fear of nuclear war mm-hmm. or fear of a mm-hmm. Russian invasion. Remember that movie Red Dawn? Oh, of course. Um, so what's happening here is that the Cold War fears are being realized 40 years later, mm. as I have a 40 in my head, <laughs> um, honoring someone who turned 40. There is somebody that turned 40 this week, and I'm not going to say Somebody. I don't know who that is. No. So you know? this movie is almost... For, so. What's fascinating is that the what we feared in the 80s that would happen between the United States and the Soviet Union is actually happening right now. Because mm-hmm. I've always said we are living in the revenge of the Cold War. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is fucking insane. The other thing that the movie is telling us is with this concept of the death zone, which I think is explained around this part of the movie, which is the blind spot okay. of the of, of predicting the future or seeing the future. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, for me, the, 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 this is what I took from it. The death zone is the possibility of changing the outcome of what you foresee, right. what he foresees, right? Right. The ability to change the future. Right. And that is a very positive, powerful thing. And that's what that's the message that I took from the revisit. Mm. It's like, no, don't give up. It's not all over. Democracy's not dead. Yeah, this was you empowering. Can change yes, yeah. The course of history. And in fact, right now, in the next two months, we can. Yeah. They're trying to dismantle our democracy. They're mm-hmm. trying to get rid of the US the US Postal Service so mm-hmm. we don't they try to disenfranchise minorities mm-hmm. but we can still do something about it and so we don't have to go shoot Donald Trump like Johnny does in this movie <laughs> I know I was like we're very All careful we, to say don't do that we don't have to do that no but don't we can do go that fucking make sure that everyone exercises the right to vote right because if they don't they might never again so this might be our last vote. Otherwise, right? Oh, if, if you, because there's scary. so many, like the Soviet Union has fake elections. Mm-hmm. Do we want to be that country? No. So, to me, this movie was yelling. Do something about it now. Right. Go vote. Right. <laughs> yeah. I. 
I felt the exact same way. And I love that you pick pick up on that as a message of positivity and hope, because I feel that too. It's just like the power is in your hands. You can do this. And there's this conversation that Walken has at the end with um, one of his staffers. And he, he, he points out to the staffer of like, hey, it seems like you guys were friends, but you actually think he's a clown? He's like, oh, we all laugh at him. He's amusing, and he might win. He might win, because, I mean, he's just so amusing, but no, he's he's an asshole. Like, And he even says, the guy, the staffer in the movie says, you sh- everybody should register to vote, because <laughs> this guy's going to come to power. So, just so you know. And, um, and just also piggybacking off of that, the rallies, there's a quote that I don't know if it's in the book and the movie, it's one or the other, where they say, like, he chants, throw the bums out, throw the bums out. Like, he has a mantra, and Donald Trump is very, you know, documented as saying, like, besides lock her up, um, his whole thing when he was starting with campaigning was drain the swamp, drain the swamp, like this kind of shit. Just battle cries, you know? And for this whole thing that Walken's dilemma is, it's like, okay, if I have the power to change this and it could mean my ultimate sacrifice, should I do it? Um, he has like, the and whole- he, and he has this discussion with the Jewish doctor who survived the Holocaust. Yes. Right? And he's like, yes. would you go back in time and kill baby Hitler? A very con. Yeah. It's, you know what? This conversation is still controversial to this day. I've been at parties, and you've known some of these people at these parties. Mm-hmm. We will talk later about it, where Jack and I were talking about this, and, you know, Jack is is very blunt and just kind of, you know, talks about this stuff, you know, willy-nilly, and he's just like, oh, yeah, fuck yeah, I would do this, blah, 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 blah. And I, there were people that were like, well, y- you would kill a baby? We're like, it's Hitler, of course. <laughs> if you knew... And, yeah, if you, knew. if you had solid documentation, if you had like solid facts of just like, yeah, this is what's going to happen. But I mean, you know what? To counterpoint this, it could be just seen as a crazy person rattling off and what they think is right. I mean, they could say that a prophet came to them in the middle of the night and said, you need to do this. And then that's how we have assassins and crazy people shooting at celebrities and other politicians, you know? But... No, but remember the Jewish doctor says... The point that's brought in this conversation uh-huh. is the fact that, yes, I will do it. He's like, my but, job but, is I value human life. However, <laughs> however, I would do it because you basically would save six million lives. Right. right. But there's also this element of like, I would be sacrificing myself because no one would understand what I was doing. Exactly. Which is the point of. The right. dilemma of Christopher Walken at the right. end of the week. I will go do this, but I will probably die in the process. I will sacrifice myself because no one will get it. Right. And so, because and, no one knows what I know. And right? then what ultimately happens in the movie, he does do this assassin, you know, task. But what I love about this is that it doesn't get carried out. It's far worse. The, Martin Sheen shields himself with a child. <gasps> Yes, and that was my my other note. What I always think when I saw this scene, what would it take to to take down Donald Trump in front of the people who support right. him blindly? God. And so, even though he's lying constantly, and 
he's basically gaslighting everyone yeah. and it's very I mean, obvious. It seems and like he can do no to... wrong to his supporters. And and I even thought this moment whenever he shielded himself with a kid, because like the whole movie ends with this images on Newsweek and he's shamed. He's shamed. And therefore he doesn't get the election. It goes to him killing himself, like whatever. It I, destroys him. It's the thing that destroys he, the image of who he or what people thought he was. Right. And in and, and today's day and age, and this is where I agree with Stephen King's theory of, oh, it's a lot scarier than what I wrote, is I could just see his supporters going, oh, well, he grabbed that kid because what other choice did he have? And that kid was undocumented, by the way. That kid was like not, you know, an American. It was like he was actually born in Mexico and smuggled over the border. And so I could actually see the argument his supporters to justify. Yes, 100%. Well, I want, when I saw this holding up the baby, I wondered if it was like an ironic commentary on the fact that a lot of these Republicans and I have these discussions with my parents who are pro-life. This is the only thing, but they're they're Democrats and they're liberals, mm -hmm. and they actually understand now. My dad has a my dad should be a politician. Mm -hmm. He explains why. My dad is so charismatic. He actually should, but he's such a nice person that I don't want him to ever go into politics. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I mean, but he explains this idea of pro-life and Republicans how it's okay. fucking bullshit, and how and it's general. He will he will explain to you how. The, the abortion argument should not be a political argument. Right. Okay. And he's very religious and he's very pro-life, but he also tells you the government should not be telling women what to do with their bodies. Like Amen. He actually understands, has, has an argument that marries the two ideas. He says, right. and he actually proves, he says, I have the evidence that Republicans keep using this to win elections when they don't really actually believe in it at all. They're not hmm. pro-life. They're just manipulating people into voting for them. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. they don't do anything about it because, you know what? At the end of the day, the government should not be telling women what to do. And right. they know that Word. anyway. Word. So, they, so they never actually do anything about it because they are the people who do the most abortions. <laughs> yeah. But they need these abortions. <laughs> right? Donald Trump has had how many wives? <sighs> and probably how many prostitutes? I don't right. know. So... It is a Everybody's joking that we're going to see the P tapes before election. We're going to see like those oh, prostitutes peeing on that's, that's what <sighs> I hear. That's the word on the street. <laughs> we'll oh see. my God, please. But it sounds that's like the holding up of the baby. That's what we need. <laughs> we need the P tapes. Yes. Because I was thinking, what would be the equivalent of holding up the right. baby in the movie? And it's the P tapes. You've just. Completely it's the P tapes. This. It's the P tapes. The P tapes are coming, guys. <laughs> the P tapes are coming, and the future will be saved. So, I want to end this episode with like this is also um, if if you want to do a new Bev double feature like Yarmo and I do constantly and have a like, common theme, or you might not because this is so political. You might just want to you know fucking stay in bed for four days afterwards. <laughs> I got to say another movie that, that has these similar themes is. A brilliant film, um, A Face in the Crowd. And you, uh, uh, it's one of my top tens. So good. Andy Griffith gives like the performance of a lifetime. It's so good. The characters, uh, Walter Matthau and Elia Kazan directs it. It's just a phenomenal piece of art. And it has a very similar theme. And it does end with a man's pride brings him down. That's what 
causes him to lose his power. Like he just needs that constant audience, that constant. It, it's Macbeth. It's Macbeth. Yeah, yeah. Shakespearean. All... Oh, we want this to end. And yeah. And so I love that. I, I would definitely recommend you revisit that. If you haven't revisited The Dead Zone in a long time, highly recommend you do that. Make sure right now, this week, that you are registered to vote. We don't care who you vote for. Just make sure that your voice is heard. Um, because there's a lot of compromise going on in this election. If you are, you know, I'm just going to end it there. It's, it's <laughs> all about turnout. Mm-hmm. It really it has nothing. Don't believe anything. Oh, there's this, there's that now. United States elections are decided on who decides to get up their seat and go vote. That's really the reality of it. That's why Obama won big twice because people decided to, they got excited, they got inspired, and they went out to vote. Mm -hmm. So find the inspiration to save the fucking future and get up on your ass and go vote. If not, watch the Dead Zone and it'll remind you. Yes, you'll watch the Dead Zone and be reminded to vote. And um, just like this movie, everybody was watching Martin Sheen parade around like a clown and and nobody thought he would win. And he did. And then it caused Armageddon. So... But uh, the baby saved us. <laughs> the baby saved us, just like the pee will probably save us. The pee will save us, guys. <laughs> Let it rain. Rain on me. Oh my, oh my God. The Lady Gaga song should be the slogan for this reveal. You're cracking me up. Okay. We are going to end this episode of The Dead Zone. I hope you enjoyed it. This is Jennifer Foster and Guillermo Rodriguez. And, and Christopher. Do your best Christopher Walken impression for me. I cannot do it. He's the war. He's, you can't do I it. I cannot do it. I cannot do it. I don't know. Rain on me. Rain rain, rain on me. No, I can't fucking do it. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to us. Watch the Dead Zone. Vote. B-O-T-E. Vote. Yes.